This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Liam starts us off by asking about uh, Ty Voigt, who is a Toronto draft pick. He's uh, the leading OHL scorer right now. I think the question with Voigt is going to be on the skating. He's a smaller guy, not an amazing skater, but uh, really skilled, intelligent goal scorer. Um, I, I think he's a guy who's at least trying to vie for world junior mm-hmm. contention right now uh, with Team USA. Frank Nazar's injury opens opportunity for, for him. Maybe it's for Will Smith or some others. Um, but Voigt's the kind of guy who's probably because of his feet and his size. We'll need to prove it in the American League, but there's there's definitely a lot of skill there in his game. Tyler N says, uh, this draft versus the past 10 years, how does this top 10 compare? Which is a huge scope of time. But I don't know. My, my feeling on this, having much more familiarity with the last five years than uh, the five that preceded that, uh, is this would be among the better of the last five. And then, Corey, maybe you can fill in the gaps beyond that. But I think you're looking at potentially, you know, comparable, I think, to the 2019 and, and 2020 drafts. Is that fair to say? Yeah, probably a little bit ahead of them right now if I had to just kind of spitball. Definitely overhead of 2020, 2019, maybe not that one, especially given just how good guys like Zegers and Sider have been since then. I mean, you have really four horses in this draft, and you don't usually have four. It's Sometimes you get two, sometimes it's just one, but you've got, you know, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Matfei Mitchkov. Those are four legit elite prospects. And then, you know, a decent body after that. Um, I think the, the forwards, particularly the centers in this draft, are really, really strong. Definitely, if you go back to the past 10 years, it'd be among the best forward crop you'll see. But also, among the last 10 years, it might be the weakest deep uh, group that we've had in a long time. Like I th- I've talked to scouts who think it's very possible there may not be a defenseman picked in the top 10 or even the top 12 this year, although I think there's still time. There's a couple of candidates in my- I have in mind that could emerge. That would really be something. I mean, in, in past years, we've kind of used a rule of thumb that the first defenseman is going in the top five, and then we'll see what happens after that. If you had no defenseman in the top 10, I, I can't even think when the last time that would have happened would have been. We were already at, at a long streak of just the top five already. Um, so that would definitely be a shakeup. But yeah, I think when you look at just the, the very top of the draft, which is probably how you're judging a top 10, um, I know there there's probably some appetite to discuss like what is the seven to 10 range look like there'll be certainly teams that pick that are picking there that want to know how that looks compared to recent years. Um, But when you look at, like you said, four elite prospects at the very top, that's, that's very competitive among the best draft classes in recent memory. I think the issue with the top defenseman is there's no clear number one defenseman in this draft. I think I could ask three or four scouts and they'll all give me a different name. I mean, I think the consensus was Guelph's Cam Allen coming into the year, uh, who was the best defenseman for Canada, the Linka Gretzky, and had a really strong underage year. But he has not really looked that good to start this year in the Ontario League. I, I think it's even, I think if the draft happened right now, he's always somewhere between 20 to 40 and, I, and i'm not ruling out him not even going in the first round to be quite honest he really hasn't looked good guelph in general has not looked good um so i think we're really searching for this for a clear uh, top defense prospect in this year's draft what would he need to do i mean we, still a lot of season left what would he need to do over the next you know five to six months to get back into being a, a potential top 10 player 
Yeah, well, get back on Guelph's power play would probably be a good start. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean they're, they're using Michael Blissinger, the, the, I think the third round pick by St. Louis, who, you know, is a nice player, has good hockey sense skater, but he's not like a dynamic high end guy by any means. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that's, I have a couple of guys in mind I'm watching right now for the top defenseman and he's among them, but there's no, clear candidate. I want to touch on a question that Levi asked about Fabian Liesel, uh, mostly because I, I ranked uh, the Bruins 32nd in the pipeline rankings, and I want to make sure people don't think that I hate on the Bruins, and I think Liesel's start in Providence has been really promising. He's over a point per game as a 19-year-old. He's playing significant minutes on a team that's off to a decent start. I liked his camp with Boston, too. I think with Liesel, there were some concerns that he was just you know, couldn't get his footing, you know, in North America at the start, you know, he wasn't put up big numbers there in Vancouver, but he had a really good playoff. And in his draft year, he kind of got yo-yoed around a little bit. So we really haven't seen him have the, the big club season and, it, and it's still only a month in, but given his skating and his skill, if he keeps this up, you know, it starts to look like a real player versus men, uh, that's going to be a really important boon uh, to the Bruins system. It probably started in the playoffs, though, if is that fair to say, last year for him in, in the Western League with, with Vancouver? Yeah, and it carried over a little bit to the World Juniors. I don't think he was great at the World Juniors, but I think he was solid. But that playoff with him and, and Ottawa prospect Zach Ostachuk, those two uh, lit it up. They upset the uh, really loaded efforts, silver tips, um, due to their efforts. And like I said, just you know, we'll see how the rest of his year goes, but it's a promising development to start. And he's a guy who there was, there's never really been much question about the overall talent level there. Like there have always been high end abilities there. So not a, not a huge surprise that he's capable of this, but it's, it's a really encouraging sign for Vancouver and, or, or sorry, for Boston uh, and a team that, that needed uh, someone to pop like this probably in their system. Ton of questions here. I, there was one about uh, Jake Sanderson in Ottawa uh, from Luke M. This is how does the emergence of Sanderson solve some of the Senators' issues on the blue line? Does it put them ahead of where they thought they would be? But Corey, I feel like this is kind of, you were, at least I think we were expecting this from Sanderson. Maybe, maybe it's not on day one, but pretty quickly. I think this is the exact kind of piece that they were planning on. I think this is pretty much par for for him. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't just been good. He's looked really good. I mean, the skating obviously has always been awesome, but he's, it's allowed him to, you know, be a really good defender due to his reach and his feet, and he's competitive. And, I, and I, there's been some offense there to go to in his game. Uh, you know, you look at that blue line now with him and Shabbat. Eric Branchum is now a regular on that blue line. Artem Zub, when he's healthy, is a good player. I think the blue line's in good shape. Like, you, you're kind of looking at those first-round picks. Also, Lassie Thompson, Jacob Bernard Dockman, you're asking, okay, where do these guys fit? Do they fit? Um, but I think Sanderson, I, I mean, this guy is a star. And he's going to be a really good defenseman in the NHL for a long time. And, you know, we'll see what Ottawa does this, this season. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, he's going to be a big part of their next playoff team. Obviously there's a ton of Red Wings things in here. I don't think we need to go through all of these, but I'll just sweep through a couple of them really quick on, on Edvinson. I don't think that the call, you know, that six points in six games is, is what's going to get him called up in the end. I think it's going to be consistency. That's what they wanted out of him in the preseason. And I think that's what it'll be, uh, what he'll be judged. You know, once he can kind of consistently show he's ready to play that pro game, that's when it'll happen. I don't think they're, they're just waiting for production here or anything like that. Um, Albert Johansson. I, I don't really agree that there's been little conversation about him. I think he was a guy who there was a lot of conversation about in the preseason, but I, I think he does get uh, glossed over in, in conversation just because of Edvinson, right? And that Edvinson is probably the the left D that you know you're you're waiting for to come up next. Um, but I don't think that he's necessarily dropped as a prospect. I think it's 
I think this is just pretty much what you expected out of him as a guy who's going to need a little bit of time in Grand Rapids, but is still an impressive uh, prospect. And obviously there's some Carter Mazer stuff. Corey, I don't know if you have anything to say on him, but someone asked for a comp. And one I was thinking of earlier this week was possibly like a Zach Hyman type. Do you see any of that? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I mean, I think the question on Carter was just going back to his junior days was how much offense is there to go with the speed and the competitiveness. And he seems to be answering those questions with uh, emphasis this year, given that he's leading college hockey in goal scoring. And uh, I watched one of their games and the skill like, popped out at me when I was watching uh, the Mazer skill, uh, that is. And I, I think this is a guy who looks like he has all the elements now to be a good NHL player, a guy who could be a really nice two-way winger in the National Hockey League. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, you got to be really happy uh, with where he is. One question at, questioner asked, any guys who've been drafted that have surprised you so far? I'm not going to rattle through the whole draft, but, uh, you know, Kenny Connors, the LA Kings fourth-round pick from this past draft, has been off to a really hot start, over a point per game, being a big part of a top uh, college hockey team with UMass. Uh, good skater, good size. The question was always the offense. If there's offense there now, I think this is a guy who you can see being on an NHL trajectory, and I think he's working his way into the world junior mix uh, for Team USA. There was one from Luke Y that's kind of an interesting question. He's talking about kind of the, the rise of scoring, and he, he says scoring in the NHL is up, but what about the other leagues? This year's class seems strong, but with guys like Will Smith and Michael Misa putting up big numbers, I'm wondering if we're in a higher scoring era. And if there's a way to normalize for this when you scout, I don't know that we have data on, especially this soon, on like the overall scoring rates. And I, I do think in general, you see higher scores early in a season because teams are still kind of figuring out how to play together. But I do think there's enough to this question, Corey, about like, are we going to see, are we entering like a higher offense era, whatever that means, whether it's a half a goal per game or whatever it might be, do you, are we in a higher offense era of hockey and does that play into when you're scouting uh, it's hard to say I, I know in the ohl there's been a little bit of uptick but i think i need to actually look at the data to, to verify that there's upticks uniformly across the leagues i think the way you kind of keep that in mind and i know some people reasonably will criticize how much you can overreact to international events but that's why you have international events is to kind of make some sort of normalized environment where you see all these guys play against each other and you see who's actually good and who's just being buffered by say a good or a or or a poor team in a, in a certain league um that's how i approach uh, kind of to make sense of all those kind of scoring numbers Lars T asks can Leo Carlson break into the top 3 you reckon he was referring to the top three in the 2023 NHL draft. And I would say uh, very much so. In fact, I would, if the draft happened today, I think there's 50, 50 odds. He's going in the top three. I mean, he's just looked outstanding to start this season. It's, it's not, you look at the production, the production is really good, but you just look at how he's playing and uh, he stands out. He's a, Really important player on one of, if not the best team in the SHL right now in Rebro. And uh, just he's such a big, powerful, highly skilled, intelligent uh, forward playing wing. But I think he projects as a center. And um, I, I, you can make arguments. I would might even lean to saying Mitchkov has more pure ability. But I, given the contract that he's a small winger, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of NHL teams that will talk themselves into thinking that Carlson is the better bet right now. Do you think that with Mitchkov, the issue is more so the contract? I mean, so again, for people who don't know, expected to be 
the the three years following Michkov's draft, he's expected to, or he's still under contract in Russia. Is it those three years and that waiting period, or is it kind of the the fear, the uncertainty of what if he signs another one? It's that for sure. I mean, I just you know I, you see players in the KHL extend all the time. Um, you know, on Scoptically, the Wild lost Marek Kuznadino for an extra two years because uh, he extended all their different caliber of prospects there. And, you know, the, the top rounders, Colson, Svechkov, Askarov, they, they came right away. I think it's less that. It's more weighing the three years. It's the position. Wingers are not a premium position. It's the size, and he's not an amazing skater. So there's risk of variables already embedded into him before you get to the contract, before you get to the fact that he's in Russia and all the situ- all the variables about drafting a player out of Russia right now. I think there's a lot of risk variables there uh, with Mitchkov, and um, I think that's going to be the balance. Like I, said, I think if I, was, if I was doing a mock draft right now, I would have Mitchkov going fourth. I think that's that's how, but I don't I don't think that's a guarantee by any means. So for people who haven't seen Carlson, to me, the things that stand out is this, the fluid skating, the slipperiness, but really the skill. He's a big center. He skates really well. And, and the hands, I think, are really high level. What What is it for you that separates him? I'm not as sold on the skating there. Like, I think it's just more the competitiveness and the high-end skill in the brain. Like, to me, he's almost like a Thomas Hurdle type of player, maybe a better version of Hurdle. Uh, Lars, the questioner, used Sundin. I'm not sure I'd go that far. <laughs> Sundin said one of the all-time best, but, uh, you know, all-time best, but, you know, he was a high, high-end player in the league for a very long time. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Carlson is going to be a star uh, in the league, uh, you know, whether it's a first-line center or first-line wing, uh, I think he's going to be an excellent player. Uh, Samuel W. asked him, going to Moncton or Halifax, the world junior, just to Halifax, Sam. So if you live in Moncton, uh, sorry if I'm going to miss you. And uh, Hannah asks if... Uh, is asking for the thoughts on Will Smith. So Will Smith is, uh, in my opinion, I don't think in the opinion of most people, the, the best player on the U.S. national team development program uh, this season. He's off to a rocket start, something around two points a game through the NTDP's early schedule. Um, that top line with him and fellow draft levels with Ryan Leonard and Gabe Perot have been uh, going uh, really strong to start the year. And I think Smith's an awesome player. I think he has just a ton of skill. He's plays fast. He makes a ton of things happen for himself and others. I think he works hard enough. He can score goals. Uh, I think this is a guy who looks like a top 10 pick. Uh, he has a really good year as a check guy. He's a guy who can go well into the top 10. Even uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the U S world junior team, the way he's playing right now. I mean, some of the games I've watched, he's just looked really dynamic and just another guy in a very deep group of forwards and centers in the 2023 draft. I agree. I saw him live uh, last week. I went out there and he can just do a little bit of everything. I, I think he's extremely well-rounded and to get a, you know, a right shot center prospect who can score that way. And I, I agree with you. I think his compete, you know, is, is uh, plenty uh, to, to, to play there down the middle as a pro too. the, the, the guy who I kind of left, caught my attention a little bit too is Oliver Moore. I think that the skating package that he brings really impresses me. Where does Oliver Moore fit in for you? Good timing. Cause that's, the, that was the next question from Dylan L. Um, but I think more, you could argue is the best pure skater in the draft. Uh, you know, you can have him in the, in the mix of a couple other guys, but I, I would even, I would lean to him as the best skater in the draft right now. Um, you know, also he's five eleven. He's playing center right now with the program. Is he actually a center in the NHL? I'm, I'm not so sure, but he has a lot of skill. The feet are awesome. 
I'm not sure. Maybe he doesn't have. He's not as strong a playmaker as say Smith or Perot is, is on that team. But uh, he has a, a style of play that I think is going to translate effectively to the NHL, despite his size. I agree with that. I think you know th- there'll be little things around the edges. I think you know. I, I think in terms of his offense, I, I would like to see a little more pure goal scoring from him, but the feet can kind of account for a lot of that too. And like I said, he was the guy who I kind of left the most intrigued with when I was there last week. Uh, though I do agree. Will Smith is kind of the all around. I'd probably give the best prospect to right now. Um, what do you, Liam J, what do you look for when evaluating skating? What impresses you most? This is good. This is good timing as we talk about Oliver Moore. Right. And I think with more, the two things that stand out to me is one's just the pure speed element. And I think his, his edges are, are, are excellent. I think those are the two most important things I look for is, is just how well can you take the puck end to end? Or if you're a defenseman, how well can you stay with a guy coming at you, coming at you at full speed? And the other thing is just how good your edge work is. How well can you evade pressure, spin off guys, um, create space for yourself? I, I think those are the two things I look for the most. And again, with the fence, it's a little different. You're looking at how well you close gaps on guys and 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 things that might be a little bit different than than trying to create offense with your skating. Going back a couple of minutes, uh, Sean O asked a question about Philip Broberg and his path. Uh, what do you see as kind of the path for him? Sean O says it seems like he's struggling to take that next step to being a full time NHLer. I haven't gotten to see Broberg at all this year. Have you Have you gotten a chance to watch him in the preseason or early this year? Well, he was injured uh, uh, to start this year so far, but he didn't make the team out of camp. And it was, that was a bit of a surprise for me. I thought, and talking to people around at Edmonton, that I think it was, he looked like he had a strong chance to make that team out of camp. I think they were hoping that he was going to make that team out of camp, and he didn't. Um, but I still, I still really believe in this player. I think when you have a defenseman that's that big who has really high-end skating ability and some offense. I mean, he did produce significant amounts of offense in the American League last year. I think it's going to come. It doesn't mean it may not happen as quick as you want, but I just think there's just uh, there's just so much ability there uh, to to become a good pro. And I could see it be this season, maybe it's next season, but I, but I would once he gets healthy and he gets going, I think he's going to be more than fine. I think he's going to be a top four defenseman in the NHL. Awesome. Just to remind people here, so what we're we're doing this mostly out of the chat today. They're written in questions, so got about 110, 111 people on right now. Uh, if you want to ask a question, uh, you can put it in the chat. If you do want to come up onto the stage, which is a feature that we do here and we have done in the past, um, you can press request to speak. Um, but we would just ask that if you're going to do that, if you're going to get into the stage queue, uh, that it would be for a question that has kind of national, league wide. Uh, relevance, whether it's a, a draft question or a top top prospect question, just so everyone has a a, a stake in it, then everyone's you know wants to wants to hear the answer. Um, Michael has a good one. How many 2023s do you think have a chance to stick in the NHL next year? I think it's a, it's a timely one because we're looking at a 2022 class um, that it's not really clear how many of these guys are going to stick all year. I think Slavkovsky's started to come on, and maybe uh, given that hope that he'll manage to do it. But Corey, next year, are we looking at a, a class that is going to have more NHL ready talent? Yeah, I think Bedard's in. I think Fantilli is in. I think Carlson, really, really good shot to be in the in the NHL next year. And then a couple, maybe I would say Callum Ritchie and Edward Shale are are two guys who be, might be more fifty fifty. So I think there will be a lot more 
guy stepping into the league right away than we've seen the past two years. Uh, one uh, question from Chris. M. Oh, sorry. Nope, I was going to read the same one about the high-end goalies in the upcoming draft. And I know uh, there's a big one in the USHL, Michael Rabal, Corey. Uh, yeah, Michael Rabal has um, been really, really good uh, in the USHL this season. And, and he was really good at the Linka Gretzky, too. 6'6 six, six defense, 6'6 six, six, not defenseman, 6'6 six, six goaltender uh, who moves well, very poised and and intelligent in net. But the other guy who's coming on is Carson Bjarnason uh, with Brandon in the Western League. Uh, I think this is also a guy who has played his way into first-round consideration uh, in this draft. And if the draft happens today, I think both Bjarnason and Robble would both go in the first round. Um, yeah, I think Bjarnason has just looked awesome. I have seen him steal games against good teams, um, maybe a little, even, little bit more dynamic than, than Robble is. Even if he doesn't have that kind of size, he's more he's six three as opposed to Robble's six six frame. But yeah, yeah, Bjarnason and, and Robble are are two excellent goaltenders. And you kind of go down the line, and I think you know Trey Augustine, Carson Musser, uh, you know, Ratzlaff, those are some solid goalies too. So this is a this is a really uh, solid goalie crop compared, especially compared uh, to last year's. So I think you're going to get a couple of NHL goalies from this crop. Uh, Shake M has a really fun one. Has Gabe Velarde been the biggest surprise this season? And I, you know, we're 12 games in now for the LA Kings, and Gabe Velarde's at 13 points over a point per game. He's uh, very close to doubling his uh, NHL production last year, which was in you know seven points in 25 games. Um, but really, a, a huge step forward for a guy who I don't think anyone has ever questioned the talent. He's had a tough go of it so far. Some reasons completely beyond his control. Um, but it has probably been the most fun uh, emergent story, I think, so far this year. There, there's some good ones. Uh, Arbor Jakai, obviously, in Montreal. But but Gabe Velarde is certainly one of the more fun breakout stories here at 23 years old. Right. And I th- with Gabe, it always came down to his feet. And when, when guys aren't good skaters, sometimes it just takes them a little bit extra uh, time to get ready to be good in the NHL. Because if you're not fast enough then you basically need to compete harder than everybody else. You need to win more battles than everybody else to, to be effective at even strength. And with Gabe, it just took him time to, to learn how to be a pro, to learn how to be effective as a pro. And you kind of saw in the American League, he was really good in the American League last year. He was like, a, you know, he scored at a, at a strong rate. He was a really important part of that Ontario team. I liked him when I watched those games. It was just about whether he could do it at the NHL pace. And I think he's still not a good skater. He still doesn't, you know, ha- have that kind of rink to rink, sorry, uh, you know, uh, rink length speed to, you know, push the pace. But he's big, he's powerful, he's really skilled and intelligent. And as he's matured into his body, he's, he's found a way to become effective in the NHL, and not just effective, but really good in the NHL to start this season. Sean O'Hara. Especially, we talked a few minutes ago about the top of that uh, draft class, the top 10-ish. He says, with the Slovak emergence last year with Slavkovsky and Nemitz going 1-2, any other Slovaks catching your eye this year? There is another one who I think is pretty soundly in the top 10 mix. Um, he's not playing in Slovakia. He's playing in Sweden. That would be Dalivor Dvorsky, who is uh, between kind of the J20 league and the Allsvenskan, which is kind of the, the number two league in Sweden. Um, and I think he's been productive in both so far, Corey. Right, like I don't know the exact range he would go in, whether it's top ten, top eight, top five, but he's he, he's up there. Uh, I think Maxim Starback uh, in Sioux Falls in the USHL 
can be a top two round pick, big defenseman who skates and competes well. I've talked to some scouts. I think he might even go in the first round. I think Samuel Honzik in Vancouver in the Western League could be a second or a third round pick. I think Alex Chernick could be maybe a second to a fourth round pick. Um, you know, it's and all those guys, including Nemec and Slavkovsky and Philip Meshar, they were all on the same Holinka team uh, about a year and a half ago. And I, I really wish that I was at that tournament and I saw them play, I think, two or three times. In hindsight, I probably should have paid attention to that team a whole lot more than I did. I still watched them. But, uh, you, you know, when you go to those, those tournaments, you're usually keen on Sweden, on Finland, Russia. Uh, you know, but uh, probably in hindsight, I should have watched Slovakia a little bit more. Uh, Jason G has a kind of a bigger picture one. He says, how did you guys learn to scout and evaluate prospects? I've always wondered what the learning process was like. Uh, and it's a very good question. It's a very complicated question. I don't know that we can give the full answer here. I, I also would say it's kind of for me, at least, I don't know how you feel about this, Corey. It's a very much living, breathing thing. I would not say I have learned it, kind of trying to learn it. Um, a lot of that has been from Corey and Corey's help, but is to me, the, the core of it is just watch as much as you can, write what you see, talk about what you see, and then figure out why things don't go the way you thought they would go. Is that uh, similar to you, Corey? Yeah, my answer would be very similar. I would start off by saying, I, I, I don't know if I can sit here and say I know what I'm talking about. I'm sure a lot of people who've read my work would probably say they don't think I know what I'm talking about. But uh, in terms of how I, I grow as an evaluator, it's definitely through a trial and error type of thing. I think the, the best learning process is giving opinion about players, you know, what doing your homework, watching the players, and then you give your opinion and then you see what happens. And you're either right or you're wrong and you have to learn why you're right or you're wrong and you grow and you incorporate into the next age group. And you just keep doing that over and over and over again and, and keep grinding until it's drilled into your brain how how you think all this works. And even when that happens, uh, you're still going to be wrong plenty. Absolutely. I think for me, I've noticed a little bit just in these last few years, a little bit of a pendulum for me on what what I'm drawn to in players or what I think are, are red flags or not that big a deal. And it's kind of interesting to watch them go back and forth a little bit. And uh, maybe a little bit like driving a car, you got to learn to not overcorrect too hard to any one little thing coming down the road. So uh, that's that's about as close as I could give you to an answer there. Um, Dylan L. wants to know, how effective you think Matthew Nyes will be in the NHL? I mean, I think he's going to be effective. I mean, I think there's some things about his game that will translate, in particular the the frame, the competitiveness. And I think he can make skilled plays in the hard areas. I think you look at, say, like that overtime goal he scored against North Dakota uh, a couple of weeks ago where he's making a hard drive to the net and he, and he beats his man one-on-one. Like that's an NHL translatable goal right there. I think that his skating will be the one thing that'll be a little bit, a little bit of an issue for him. We know how quickly can he get up to an NHL pace, but I think there's a lot of traits there that can that lend to a top six winger. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen right away. I think if he's in the league, maybe like this spring, he's more of a third line winger, I would guess right away. But I think, I think he's going to be a good player for them in time. When you redrafted, uh, you just did the redrafts pretty recently, which I would encourage everyone to go back and check out. Corey redrafted the last last four, I believe, NHL drafts. Um, and Nyes was kind of a mid-first rounder for you in that range of, of a kind of bubble top six, middle of the lineup kind of player. Yeah, correct. I and mean, that's exactly, I'm not saying, I think down the line he's a top six forward, but, but I'm not going to say he, you know, if, if they sign him in the spring and, 
to try and put him in the playoffs right away or something like that. Presuming they make the playoffs, I, I just don't know whether he's going to. I would say more of a third line winger, just again, just already just still two years removed from the draft. It's a lot to ask a guy to be top six right away. Absolutely, you see, especially big guys, it takes some time for them to really feel comfortable playing their game in the NHL. There's not going to be a whole lot of NHLers that he's going to face that haven't seen kind of his size, power, scoring combo before that they'll have seen it before. That may not always be the case at the lower levels. And I think it takes those bigger guys some time to really grow into it. He's not massive. We're not talking about a Tage Thompson sized guy here. Um, but I think even at six three, the the power game guys, it can take him a little longer to to really get to their uh their typical kind of game in the NHL. Another big guy who I think is worth talking about in this draft class is Matthew Wood, who Michael L points out could have gone to Regina to play with Bedard, but instead opted to go the NCAA route. What kind of effect do you think this has on his stock? I think that's a really, it's a kind of a good counterfactual here, Corey. What are we talking about with Matthew Wood if he opts to go the the WHL route instead of the college hockey route? Well, he's looked pretty good in, in, in college to start the year. I think there was some concerns, if not some significant concerns from scouts about how his freshman year would go, especially after his U18 Worlds, were, which weren't good, and then his Linka Gretzky, which were arguably worse, where he just looked really slow at those levels and you know, he barely played in some of those games and you kind of wondered, Oh, this is, you know, college hockey is going to be a big leap for this guy coming from the BCHL. Is he going to be ready? And, you know, obviously he's still a 17 year old freshman. He's not going to be able to do all, you know, certain things at a high level yet, but I, you know, he's scoring, he helps their power play a lot. UConn's winning a lot of games and, and he's been a big part of their team. I think, you know, his stock is, has that not been heard? If not, it's been going up from, from the first few uh, weeks of the college season. Uh, but, you know, there's always – there was that fear always when guys go to college hockey as as first-year draft eligibles, how it's going to go. It's a big leap. You're looking at Charlie Stramel right now in Wisconsin, for example, and he's been just okay. And I really like Charlie Stramel. Um, but Wisconsin isn't very good around him. And I think he's got, I think, two points so far mm-hmm. to start the season. And, you know, you kind of seen with Dylan Holloway, or Ryan Paling, other, a couple other first-rounders over the years that it could be a big leap for some. But, but Wood, to his credit um, – you know, like I said, I still think there's some issues. You know, is he maybe too perimeter? Can he drive the play? Is is his feet uh, going to hold up in the NHL? But but his start has been strong. I wanted to ask you about Stramel. I was probably going to ask you this maybe just on a call between the two of us. But hey, let's let's have an audience for it. Um, we've talked about Stramel before as a guy who, if, if you're a believer, you're a believer in kind of a Kachuk-ish starter kit. Uh, in him and in terms of the physicality that he brings along with some of the offense. Uh, Brady Kachuk had more success in his freshman year at BU, but I think there was still some question around how much offense he also, I think he only had eight goals that year at BU and how much offense he was producing as a freshman. In the end, you look back and 31 points in 40 games, that's still a pretty good season. But I wonder what, what are the differences that you're seeing in, in how Stramel has translated, if you can remember back to, to the 2018 draft with Brady Kachuk. Right. I think there's some small differences there. I think they're both had good physicality, but Brady's compete is just off the charts good. And I think this guy's is more just, he's good, maybe a better skater than Brady, uh, but, but not the same level of competitiveness and physicality. And I think with Brady, the differences with Brady is while he wasn't scoring uh, a lot, like I said, he had the eight goals in his freshman year, he was still getting a lot of opportunity. There were still a lot of scoring chances and shots on goal. They just weren't going in. I think with Stramble, the, the, you're, you're, I still, I think he is, you know, he's on their top power play. He's getting some opportunities, but it's not the same level of, of offense that you're seeing from him to start the season. Yeah, that's a good. 
That's a good uh, differentiation there. Um, this is a tough one from Lars. Who's the one draftee you were certain was going to be something big, but never even had one NHL game? That can't be a long list. Does anybody come to mind for you on that? Right. If you're talking like stars, like again, I, I swung and missed on, I don't know, guys like Greg Renko. Well, uh, I thought, you know, and there's a couple other guys I probably could, you know, bring into the mix. But the I, I uh, guys who never played a one game, that would that would be tough. I think everyone who usually those high picks always get at least one game, right? Right. I'm I'm thinking like you know, and this guy's still pretty young at 22, but like Denisenko, I think I was a pretty big believer, and he, he's played eight games already though, so it's, it's hard to find guys who haven't played. If you lowered it to maybe a hundred, that's probably a better a better list, right? You probably get more, more names on that kind of list. Or even like 50 or something. Yeah. It's everybody, everybody always gets one. Even if it's like a throw in in the spring or something like that. Uh, yeah. Maybe never scored 10 goals. That That's TJ's suggestion. Uh, guys, we're, we're running a little thin in the chat here. We're going to wrap up probably in the next nine, 10 minutes. But if you, if you have any questions, we'll, I guess we'll kind of make a last call here, uh, to throw in the chat. Um, Joe M has one. Do the Bruins prospects deserve a second impression under the new coach? I wonder what that means. Can you say more, Joe, about what you mean by that? Like, do you mean like there are there guys who played under Cassidy that you want to see again now that Montgomery is there, or, or what do you mean by second chance? And, and while Joe fills that out, we'll go to Luke's question about Logan Cooley at Minnesota, the third overall pick by Arizona. He has not been off to the most productive start so far, scoring wise. Uh, even though, you know, he's on on that line. I think they broke up that line with, in the last OSU game. But for the most part, that top line has been him, Matthew Nyes, and Jimmy Snuggerud, who has been off to a, a strong start. Um, but, I, you know, I, you watch Cooley, you see, you know, the things that make him so attractive. He's an awesome skater. Or there's a ton of skill and creativity. I think he is a little bit frustrated right now. I think there's uh, some things that haven't been working for him or, you know, creating opportunity and, and it bounces off a stick or it's just not going in. Uh, you know, I'm not – Okay, I think he's looked good. I don't think he's playing his best hockey yet, uh, but we're not at a panic stage yet with him. And again, Minnesota is still a top team. He's a, he's a hugely important part of that team. Going to be a very important part of Team USA at the World Juniors. Do you want to tap this question on Rhett Pitlick and whether he'll see NHL time someday? Yeah, he's a maybe. I would say just you know, kind of small guy. But uh, I thought. Well, you look at Rem, his brother, he, he ended up getting games. So um, it, maybe not ruling it out. All right. Uh, Joe clarified. He said Sweeney's draft record is considering bad. Do they and Sweeney deserve a second chance? So here's the thing about Boston's – yeah, here's the thing about Boston's draft record. Like they get dragged, and I probably have been part of that dragging for the 2015 crop where you know, it, it was a can't-miss draft, and they, and they missed twice. DeBrusque was a good player, uh, but they've had some really good draft picks. Like you know, Charlie McAvoy and David Pasternak are two of the best draft picks of the, of the last decade. Uh, you know, Brandon Carlo in the second round is, was looks like an awesome player. You have a guy. You know, there's been like I said, there's you know, you can you know go through it and see some stuff in there that you don't like, but but they've had some really good draft picks too over, over the last few years. Yeah, I, I wonder how much of it is though the the one year, the fifteen year, and, and the three in a row. And I I think that probably it, it's it's a very easy thing to draw on, and then it extrapolates, and you can go through. I don't think their last four five years have been littered with. Uh, although I do like Mason Laurie, Fabian Lee Sell, a great star. But sometimes those flashpoints can make 
trends seem bigger than than they really are. You know what I mean? They haven't really had many draft picks though in those years. Yeah, there's been like maybe the second round pick, like an Axel Anderson, or whatever that hasn't worked out. Although you know, and they have a third round pick like Jakub Lauga, who just scored last night and has been a part of their team. So the lack of draft picks definitely hurts that perception to go with the 2015. You're, you're probably right. Uh, a couple of that match from Sean and from Brendan. Uh, Sean wants to know if Fintelli's early production is a bit of a mirage, as in playing lower quality teams. There have been a couple of those for Michigan, although the schedule's picked up a little bit of late. And then we'll, we'll kind of marry that one with Brendan's, which is Fintelli or Eichel in the draft year, with obviously the caveat, uh, it's still early in Fantilli's. Yeah. You know, who was the week other than Lin, like the Lindenwood games were obviously soft, but uh, they played BU twice. Western Michigan's not a pushover team by any means. I guess the like superior ones, I guess, play into it. But yeah, I mean, I think two against Western, two against BU. Um, I mean, those are good teams and Adam looked really good in, in, in those games. Uh, you know, we'll see how he does over the full year. You know, and on, you know, Eichel, we saw the, the, the whole runway. So I'm not going to say he's better than Eichel. Uh, or worse than him at this stage, but I will say he is definitely the best draft eligible we've seen in college since Eichel. He deserves to be in the conversation with him at the minimum. Uh, Michael L. is Lane Hudson on the American World Junior team. I assume he's uh, asking predictively. That team will be picked uh, about a month and a half from now. Uh, do you think Lane Hudson will be on it, Corey? Maybe. Like, and I, if he's on it, it, I don't know if he's playing a regular role on the team because he has to be on the power play if you're on the team, right? So I, I think Luke Hughes is for sure one of the power play guys. And then it's like, okay, well, who's next? And it might be Hudson. It, it could be Seamus Casey. It could be Shy Boyum. You know, I think we kind of thought it might be Sean Barron's at one point, but I think Boyum's, you know, kind of taken away some of Barron's minutes this year at Denver. And, I, and he might be pushing to take, take that role. So I, I think Hudson right now is a maybe. Uh, at least to be in a regular top six role on that team. Does Boyum have to be on the power play though? I mean, is he a guy that if he's, I mean, he can make the team without being on the power play. No, but I'm talking about who's the second power play guy on team USA. Like it could be Boyum. And if that's the case, then that the Hudson's role is gone I essentially. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, any elders here, Corey, that you want to get to before we sign off for the day? Uh, nothing in particular stands out. I guess, you know, uh, we, one of the questions asking about James Hagan's, uh, Josh Diaz, I have only watched him once. I'm actually heading out to go see him, uh, tomorrow. I'm going out to the U17 challenge and I'll be writing an article and re- reporting on those guys. So if you have any questions on the 06 age group, uh, I will hopefully be able to answer them more thoroughly next time. James N says thoughts on Marco Casper. His production seems to be good, which was a question with him. Uh, I'd even take it a step further. I think one of the questions on him was how high is the skill level? Like what is he going to do with specifically with kind of the hands? Did he have the high end skill? That is one of the things that has popped to me in the early going of the season, Corey. He, he has produced, but he's also tried the Michigan a couple of times, I think. And I think he's he's showing that he has maybe more hands than he showed in his draft season. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, think I never really thought the skill was an issue. I didn't think it was high, high end, but I thought it was, I had him right as a top two line forward out, out of the draft. And uh, mostly because I thought there was just a complete package. So it was good skating, good compete, good skill, good hockey sense. But yeah, there might even be a little bit more skill than I, than we thought. I'm not a hundred percent all the way there that it's like top line type of skill. Uh, but you're, it's at least you're opening a discussion about it right now. I think the start has been pretty promising. 
Uh, don't want to score on the, our Devils re- readers because I think uh, you know Devils off to a hot start, but got some New Jersey in here. Uh, Matthew S. asks, does Holt's speed seem to be an issue? Alexander Holt, he's referring to, holding him back in the NHL. Do you think his skating limitations are a serious limit on his potential? I mean, well, yes. Anytime a guy is a, a problematic skater, it's going to hold back their their pro projection a little bit. I think Holtz's skill is really high end. His shots really high end, but I think it's just, it's the skating and the compete. Cause again, hearkening back to the Valaria discussion. If you're not a good skater, you've got to be one of, you know, your team's top competitors night in and night out. And I don't think Holtz has put, inserted that into his game yet. I think, Again, like with Velarde, I think you want to be patient with this guy. You know, he was very good in the American League last year. He has a ton of skill, but I think there's still a lot of growth left to go in this guy's game. You know, and, and he may be not be that legitimate top line game breaking type of guy, but I still think, you know, whether it's middle six, top six, I think this guy has an NHL future. And he does have the build to be able to play kind of a harder game. So I, I, I don't think you can rule that out that it's going to come. But I agree with you. If, if you're not that fast player, you want kind of a compete to uh, compete level to kind of rise and, and maybe meet that there uh, to account for that. And I, I think he has the build to play that game if he wants to play it. Um, but when I've seen him a couple times earlier this year, that that wasn't necessarily what I saw. Yeah, uh, I think that's all fair. Like, I don't think he's ever really been like, this overly physical, overly competitive guy. He's leaned on his skill. He's leaned on his shot. And and those will work for you, you know, maybe down the line. But if he wants to get into the NHL now, he's going to need to be, you know, uh, one of the most competitive players in New Jersey every every night if you're not going to beat guys with speed. Joe M. asks, any other countries that are not currently considered high top Consider top hockey pop lines that have a brighter future coming. Uh, this may tie into the Casper one well, because I think Austria is pumping out players right now. Marco Rossi has got his first NHL point last night. Casper looks like he's coming, and I'm hearing really good things about David Reinbacher from NHL people right now when I've watched him. Uh, he's a defenseman playing in the uh, the Swiss, Swiss top league. Um, 6'2 defenseman, good skater, has some offense, uh, first year draft eligible, and I think he's garnering a lot of interest so uh, you know what you know we had we had a little, we had like a little little bit of a cycle there where germany was was churning out guys and then, and then it was slovakia and now austria is churning out some guys so that's always promising all right shall we uh close it there yeah i think we're good all right thank you everybody for uh jumping in here today and spending the better part of an hour with us and uh, if you guys liked it we'll, we'll do another one uh, sometime before too long thanks everybody